summer series again, and we're still in that area of where we've been doing with just some very down-to-earth practical lessons uh, we're dealing with. Got two coming up that I think you're going to like. Uh, not tonight. One of them's going to be taming the tongue, and the other one is going to be finding my way to forgiveness. Uh, those are two uh, that I've been working on and I think will be interesting. I say that interesting. So this past Sunday we dealt with anxiety and the whole idea of how we confront, we face what happens, uh, what causes it. And tonight I want to do kind of a remix on the lesson from Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, where Jesus makes a statement. If somebody will go to it and find the statement that he makes, which is the launching point for tonight's lesson. So go to Matthew chapter 6. Begin there at verse number 33. And so we're going to look at that. And that'll be a good launching point for us. Matthew 6, verse number 33. Got it? Anybody got it? Matthew 6, verse number 33. What does it say? Anybody got it? All right, but seek first, right? The what? Uh-huh, the kingdom and his righteousness, and then what happens? All of these things will be given to you. So he's saying something about priorities, right? What gets in the way of me seeking the Lord? What are the things that tend to get in the way of me seeking the Lord? What I want. Okay, I got you a little piece of paper right there in front of you. I want you for the next two or three minutes to just write down about as many things as you can think of that tend to get in the way of your priority or prioritizing your life with the Lord, all right? Would you do that? Write those things down. Just write down as many as you can. I want to go with the 10 or, no, I didn't find all 10. I, I got a few. But I want to go with the ones and uh, kind of deal with some real quickly as we deal with this. So if we remix this lesson and we continue off of tonight or continue off of Sunday, Jesus is saying to them, look, don't let anything get in, your, get in the way of your priority in your relationship with the Lord. What is the first thing you think often gets in our way? If you read this passage very clearly, uh, even reading from Matthew uh, chapter 6, what do you think is the thing he says get in, gets in the way the most? Okay, so distractions will be all of them. All of them will fit under the area of distraction. Very good. So they all become distraction. Okay, what is yours? All right, control over the next step in life. That's going to be one of them. Let me give you one that Jesus said in this passage that we needed to be concerned about. He said that, that often is our greatest concern. How about money? Money, right? He said money becomes one of the greatest distractions uh, that gets in the way of our fellowship and our walk with the Lord and I'll continue, bless you, I'll, I'll walk with the Lord. He said money is one of the things that gets in the way. Now, let me deal with it very quickly because if you look at it in this particular chapter, um, money can be one of those things that messes up me prioritizing and putting God first. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added unto you, right? He said, but what ends up happening to us is we end up trying to seek the stuff or seek the money to get the stuff, or seek the provision to get the stuff, and then we try to go and say, okay, then I'll seek after God. So look at what happens in Matthew chapter 6. Go up to verse number 19. Go up to verse number 19 in Matthew chapter 6. What does it say? 
Matthew chapter 19, I mean chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's what the, this whole discussion started about. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and what? For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can do what? Serve. So what is he saying? Whenever money gets to be the priority of the day, what happens? It's trying to pull you away from what? Your fellowship and relationship with God. Whenever you start chasing after money, whenever you're trying to chase after uh, the things that money buys, it's going to pull you away from your fellowship with the Lord, okay? Watch what it says, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and money, all right, in this particular uh, translation. Therefore, I tell you, then he says, do not worry for your life, what you will eat or drink, your body, what you'll wear. It's not important, so forth, so on. That's when we went into that passage beginning on last week. So he said, get money out of the way as a top priority, right? What are we taught from the very, almost the very first day you're born in life? You need to what? Get you some money. You need to go somewhere and get the best degree you can get and make the best research you can make and get the best job you can get, and then you need to make all the money you get. We are taught and put on the pathway of go get the money. Well, are we not? From the very first day, almost from childhood. Because we're taught that the person who has the most money is the most prominent, the most powerful, uh, they're the prettiest. That we just say everything about people. Money, 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 right? And so money really becomes an embedded priority in our life in many ways. And so what God is saying to us is don't make money your top priority, okay? So money. And then 1 Timothy helps us go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and begin at verse number 3. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read it here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse number 3. Are you there? If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the whole words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and not to the doctrine of the words with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. What are they supposing? That if I'm using my godliness, the more I show, the more I demonstrate, I'm going to use this to make personal gain for myself, right? I'm trying to act like godliness is a means for gain in my life. So look at that. Very carefully, godliness is a mean of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich shall fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the, the what? Not money itself, but what? The, the love of money, the strong over-desire to have it, it ends up drawing you away from God. The love of money, right, 
And it's not the root of evil. Look at what it says. The love of money is the root of what? All kinds of evil. And when you start loving money, when you just start loving money, everything just shows up in that capacity. Just, you're just pursuing after everything. There are no boundaries. There's no, you know, there's, there's no conscious. You're just saying money. I got to have more of it because I like what it brings into my life. I like what it feels. But what he said a few verses earlier was godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. So when you can learn to be content with what God has given, then you can make priority of life God and not the money that is in the world. So money becomes one of those issues that can get in the way, okay? So we're looking at the things that can get in the way. So you can write it up there. I don't know if money is a number one for you, a number two, a number three, a number four, a number six, a number 10, a number 12. You might say, oh, I don't want to chase after money or anything like that. But money becomes somewhat on most of our priority list somewhere that we want to get it. And it can get in the way with God. Okay, let me see if the money test will pass. You work at a real nice job. They're going to pay you triple time to work on Sunday. How many are you going to take? Why are you taking it? It's true. I can use the money, can't I? Right? I can use the money, right? It's double time. It's overtime. It's triple time. I can use the money, right? Can my soul use any uh, enrichment? I can get that later, can't I? I can stream while I'm at work, right? I can put soul in second place and put pocket in first place, right? If we're not careful, our priorities show up in those manners. They show up in ways of being able to say, this is what I really prioritize. So you have to be careful. I'm not saying that you shouldn't sometimes take some of those opportunities to do the things that I think are good uh, to further your family and to further your goals. But be careful what you sacrifice in, in pursuit of something else. Be careful what you're willing to sacrifice in pursuit of something else, okay? So money is one. Second one, or another one, these are in no particular priority, by the way. Uh, just things that can sometimes get in the way of our pursuit of God. When, when Jesus told us to put a different priority, things that compete for first place in my life. Popularity and the perception of other people. I like to be liked. Uh-uh, now you didn't say, did, did nobody like me on Facebook? I like to be liked. We put stuff out there so people will do what? Y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I told y'all, I got some folk that put so many pictures on Facebook, I wonder if they got a job. And they want you to like, and then they'll say, take time out and stop and do what? Wish my friend and like this. Because I want to be perceived as popular. I want to be liked. I want to be affirmed. Uh, I get this thing. Watch what the Bible says about uh, being liked by everybody. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, by, uh, verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great. Where? For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. In other words, he's saying, be careful, verse 26, if you go down, woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers also to the prophets. 
So we have to be careful that we don't get caught up on wanting to be liked so much and wanting to be affirmed so much that we forget that God says to us, everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to like you, right? And so watch what happens with being liked. What's what, what, what happens with us with being liked is that we just kind of go back and forth, don't we? We bend to every kind of thing, even stuff that's not even in our value system. If we're not careful, we'll go with something that we really don't stand for. And if God is against it or God doesn't like it, I ought to do what? Be where God is. But I find myself not wanting to be unpopular with people. And if you find yourself not wanting to be unpopular with people, you'll kind of want to be liked by everybody. And if you want to be liked by everybody, that can get in the way of your priority is competing in first place with the Lord. If I'm liked by everybody, they'll give me what I want in life, won't they? If I'm liked by everybody, if I'm liked by everybody on my job, I stand a better chance of promotion, don't I? That's true? Do you, do you perceive that in the world today? Yeah. If, I, if everybody likes me, I have a better chance of elevating and, es- and going forward. But I found out that promotion comes where? From neither the east nor the west, north or the south. Where does it come from? You ever had somebody that liked you a lot but still didn't promote you? Yeah, they like you, but they gave somebody else the job. I thought you liked me. I do like you. I like you where you are. <laughs> but I'm not going to promote, all right? So there's some things we have going on that we have to look at. Number three, the things that can get in the way. Watch this one. Church reverence over God relationship. Church reverence over God relationship. This is a strange thing. Sometimes the Lord can say to us, I want you somewhere else. And we say, no, I've been a member of this church for 20 years. My family went where? We are the founding members of What did Jesus say to the woman at the well when they had their conversation? This woman said, our fathers worship in this mountain. And you say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse number 19. The woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. Look at what Jesus said to her. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. What is he saying? The place of your worship is not as important as the heart of your worship. The where of your worship has nothing to do with the who of your worship. He said you ought to be focused, we ought to be focused on what? Worshiping God. Well, can I, I don't like going to that church over there. They ain't got no good choir. I don't like going to that church. I don't like the preacher. Did you worship the choir? Are you worshiping the preacher? Are you worshiping God? It can get in the way. I got to tell you, that, that can get in the way, y'all. Now, we don't want to say amen to that, but how many of y'all can say amen that that has gotten in the way in some of our lives before? I can't, oh, I don't want, uh uh-uh, I just ain't going to church. So-and-so ain't preaching. Or the choir ain't singing. Or I don't like that, uh uh-uh, that church just don't do nothing for me, right? Or I'm just, I'm, God, I mean, do I have to even go to church? It's advised that I do, forsake not the assembling of yourself as some others do. But the idea is 
Jesus even says to this woman, it's not about the mountain. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about First Baptist. It's not about Brown Baptist. It's not about uh, uh, McLean Avenue. It's not about hope. It's not about life. What is it about? It is about God who we worship. It is about the Lord and Savior who we worship. That's the importance of the focus. He's saying it's the who of your worship and not the where of your worship. And when the where of your worship gets in the way of your worship, it has taken greater priority than the who of your worship. We got to make sure that the where of the worship does not get into play, does not come into play and does not get in the way, okay? So watch the where, how that where factor can get away. You ever been somewhere and say, I just can't find a good church to go to? What qualifies it as a good church? No, I, I've been there. I, I'm very much guilty of that. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if anybody is a criminal like me. I just couldn't find a good church to go to. What's, what, what's that? Come on. What, what's a good church? What qualifies it as a good church? One that makes you feel comfortable in hearing the word. Okay. Qualifies them a good church. Okay. Preaching. Okay. Choir. Okay. So atmosphere is important, right? All right. Can I pray for God to be present in my space, even if he's not present in your space? He's present in your space, and you may not be sensing him, but Lord, I need you. Uh, a favorite song of mine, Jonathan Butler, before I come out and worship. Uh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. I just kind of like listening to that over and over again, because here's what I need to be in your presence. I need to be in this space with you, no matter what's going on in the corporate environment around me. So one of the things we got to do is we got to learn how to get into the atmospheric presence of the Lord and not be so concerned always about the atmospheric conditions or people, place, and things. I want to worship God, and I want to get in the presence of the Lord. So that was very important. Okay, that's very important. That can get in the way. So what are the first three again? Top one was money. Okay, money can sometimes cause a problem. It doesn't have to, but it can. It's one, and that's what Jesus based the whole teaching on. In Matthew chapter 6. So if we remix that lesson, we see that. What is the other one? Popularity among people. We love to be liked. We like to be loved. We, we want people to think well of us, right? And that can sometimes get in the way. Thirdly, we looked at church reverence. Now, I'm not saying that we should not reverence God's house, but I'm saying we should not reverence the where of where we worship more than the who of we worship, right? The who of who we worship, which is God. Jesus said to this woman at the well, once again, I say to you that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, believe me not, believe me, that the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship not what you know. You worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour comes, and now is it when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. All right? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Four, five, and six. I'm going to roll them to you real quick because these scriptures roll together. All right? Four, five, and six. So we're at one, two, and three. One, two, and three is money. What else? Popularity. What else? The where more than the who of our worship. Okay? Number four, five, and six. Work, possessions, and relationships. Mama them, boo thing, and what I got. All right? 
getting the weight on it. So we, the, the, now, come on. Can any of us ever remember a time where our job got in the way? Right? Do you know that the world, especially the United States of America, but the United States of America stops for Hebrew people, Jewish people, for their Sabbath? It is understood that they do not what? Work on the Sabbath. What do they tell you when they take the job? I must have these days off because of my faith. I cannot work on these. Rarely do you see a person who is engaged in their faith, a Jewish person, working on their Sabbath. But we'll take the job and say, just give me whatever schedule you want. I got to work, right? We are, we, we, work, can, it's not, Sabbath is not a priority for us. Not always not a priority, but I'm saying we'll trade it off for work. And sometimes I think we need to be a little bit more firm about that. You know, I, I was suggesting to one of my uh, sons at one time, say to your uh, employer, I can work two Sundays, but I need at least two Sundays. From the very beginning, right? You want me to have at least two Sundays. Because if I don't get no time with the Lord, you don't really think I'm a good worker. You think I'm crazy just with two Sundays. You know, with four Sundays, I ain't all that good. You got to at least let me have two, right? And so I think we need to look at worship as a priority and as a centering of our life and something that is necessary and required for our own personal wellness. Work can sometimes get in the way. If you look very carefully at Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, I want to read some things to you right here. A certain man was preparing a feast, uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those whom had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. What does he have? Possessions? I, I bought a field, right? I need to go check it. I, I can't come right now, Jesus. Lord, I can't make it because I just got some new stuff and I need to, you know, I, I'm going to wash my car this Sunday, but I'll be back at church next Sunday, right? I, I got to cut the grass. I just moved into a new house. I got to cut the grass. Who helped you move into the house, by the way? Who gave you the money for the house, by the way? Who gives you strength to go to the job to get the money for the house, by the way? It's the Lord that does it. But then once the Lord gives it to you, you start saying, Lord, I can't come see you right now. I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said in verse number 19, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. What does that five yoke of oxen do for you? It works for me. This is a work tool, oxen, right? I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I'm going to work. I can't come. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, I kind of understand him. (laughs) 
But that's a relationship, isn't it? Right? That's a relationship. Now, listen, I do encourage y'all, if you get married on a Saturday, which most folk do, don't you come in here on Sunday. Live stream, amen? From wherever you are, all right? Just live stream. But, don't, you know, you ought to spend that time together. Now, I will encourage that. But look at what it is. It's work, it's possessions, and relationships that gets in the way right here. All of these things can sometimes get in the way. I'm trying to seek ye first the kingdom of God, but while I'm trying to seek kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, guess what? All of these things keep popping up. So money becomes a priority. I, I, I'm always chasing the almighty dollar. I'm always trying to chase that dollar, number one. Popularity, I want people to like me, right? I get pulled into so many things. I go here and I go there. And then I have to worry about work, possessions, and all of this stuff, right? And all of these things are getting in the way. What Jesus told me, look, if you put God first, this stuff right here is going to end up showing up anyway. If you go ahead and put the Lord first, this stuff is going to show up. The oxen going to show up. The wife going to be there. You're going to have peace to be able to enjoy it. It adds no sorrow. It's, it'll show up. Put him first. The worship, don't, don't put church over God. Please get that. Don't put church location and assignment over God. Put God over church. So that's what he was saying. One, two, three, four, five, six. How about number seven? Nonchalantness towards my spiritual growth. It's okay, whatever, I mean, okay. I'm satisfied, you satisfied? You satisfied? Everybody satisfied? You satisfied? You, you satisfied? I mean, just like everything, Lord come back right now, everybody satisfied? Oh, I knew when I said the Lord come back right now, I started hearing some else. <laughs> Lord, stop, drop right now. Everybody, everybody, I'm cool, Jesus. I'm ready to go. I, I'm, I got my heart right in my mind. No, Lord. I know I'll make it, but I, I got a few things I just need to fix up. Amen. Because I've let a few things go undone, have I not? I've, been not as, I, I've not been as aggressive about my spiritual growth as I've been about my resume. I've not been as aggressive about where I am in the kingdom of God as I am in the workplace. I've not been as aggressive about the things I plan to do for the kingdom versus the things I do for my own self at the house. One of the things that the Lord rewarded Solomon for is that Solomon first built the temple. He said, you built the temple first. You put the temple ahead of you. You were fervent for me. You were pursuing me. And I don't believe God requires for us to do a whole lot of, uh, you know, heavy, over-the-top kind of pursuit things. I think God just uh, requires for us to do the, the word we talked about last week, consistent. Be consistent, right? And make consistent effort. And consistency, he rewards our faithfulness. If you're faithful over a few things, right? Be thou faithful over a few things. That's all he says. He doesn't say be perfect at anything. Be excellent at everything. He says, just be faithful over the things I assign you to, okay? So number, was that number seven? All right. Number eight, 
What if I desire blessing from God more than I desire God? Number eight, I desire blessings from God more than I desire God himself. What did he say? Remember to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. It's not first seek all of the other things. It is first seek God, and all of the other things come. So what God wants us to do is to spend our time pursuing, seeking, pursuing, seeking him, growing in relationship with him. Two things I began to believe to happen when we grow in relationship with God. Number one, he changes the desires of our heart, right? He changes the desires of our heart. Has, has anyone in here come clearer about any of the desires of your heart when it comes to the personal things that you want in life, the comforts that you want in life? You know what, Lord, I really, really, really don't want the huge big house. I do want a lot of airplane tickets to go visit some nice places, though, right? Matter of fact, I just want the house to be cool, right, when I get back. Because I don't really want to be there that much now, right? I want to come in and go, you know, keep it clean, pack it up, roll. Next flight, when we leaving? Deuces. I got it clearer now. If I got the big house, I got to stay there with it, take care of it, watch over it all the time, all this kind of, no, no. I, maybe I had to think that thing through a little bit. Because I believe the closer you get to the Lord, the more he changes the desires of your heart, right? Well, you know, I want to be rich. I want to win all the lottery money. No, I don't really want to win all the lottery money. Because the rich will be led away by their own lust and desire, says 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to be comfortable? Yeah. Would I like to be able to give you a little bit? Sure. Am I going to change my number? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> desiring a blessing from God more than desiring God himself. What God wants us to do is desire him. He does not want us to be in relationship with him because of the things he gives to us. He wants us to be in relationship with him because we want to be in relationship with him. There was a um, survey, I know y'all don't listen to this radio program, but D.L. Hughley. Anybody got that on your radio? Okay. See, the honest people got it on, right? And they said in the top survey, I don't know if y'all heard, how do you know you're involved in a fling versus a serious relationship? Did anybody hear that? Yesterday, sure was. Did you hear that? So I was listening to that, and so I, I pulled over. I said, I need to hear this, because this is, y'all okay? You heard it? You, come on, no, come on. Confession is good for the soul. Oh, and, and you're laughing because, oh, okay, you can Google it on Black America Web. All right, go to Black America Web and Google it. Don't do it now. Some of y'all picked up your phones as soon as I said it. You're still in church. You're at Bible study, all right? But the comparison was how do you know that you're involved in a fling versus a serious relationship? And about seven to, I mean, at least six to eight of the, the things all involve tangible expressions. What you get, what you're after, what you're trying to get. It ain't got nothing to do with the person, right? They give you this. They ask you for that. They want this. It's not serious, right? How do you know you're in a serious relationship with the Lord? You only come and talk to him when you want something. I said, that's, we're in a fling with God. Some of us are flinging with God. We go see God when we want something from him. 
We don't desire to be in his presence. We don't want to meditate. We don't want to just say, Lord, here, you know, here I am. I want to spend time. You know, I want to slow down and hear your voice. Care about me a little gift, a uh, uh, little, uh, what is that thing called? Uh, uh, atomizer or some kind of infuser, right? Oh, man, it has these little aromas and stuff in it, right? And then it plays music, right? So I had my little, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Butler on, and then put a few drops of, what's that stuff, you, the oil in there? What kind is it? You know, lavender and cedarwood, right? And I was sitting back there listening, you know, I want to pray and meditate, talk to the Lord. Jonathan Butler singing, I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord, right now. Sat in my little seat back there meditating. Fell asleep. Got up and had the nerve to say, Lord, the show has been good to be in your presence. <laughs> I don't know if I was in your <laughs> I was in La La Land, man. But I felt so refreshed. I felt so refreshed. I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel, my intent really was. My intent, I think God does recognize my intent. My intent really was, but that aroma thing will put you to sleep. That, that little, you know, smell and that stuff. And I don't know if that stuff has some CBD oil or something in it or nothing. Ain't no, you ain't got no CBD oil. And I heard people sniffing that stuff and falling out. And I was back there, I just, you know, I woke up all refreshed and everything. And uh, Jonathan had quit singing. The song was going on. Amen. iPad, uh, iPad had rolled over to Tupac by then. I'm like, my goodness. <laughs> Can we edit the podcast? <laughs> okay, uh, so desiring, look, if I desire a blessing from God, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But don't have that kind of relationship that you make up with God and come see him when you want some. But don't have time to sit down, you know, pray fervently when you have a need. But pray not at all. When there's not, when everything's good, right? Everything's good. When last time you prayed, I can't remember. Things start going bad. What do you do, Lord? I am knee bent and body bowed. I'm coming to you once more and again. I want to thank you last night that the bed I laid on wasn't my cooling board and the sheet I laid under wasn't my winding sheet. Come on, Bishop Mays, you know that prayer. You from down, see these two guys from Mississippi, they know that prayer right there, right? So, so no, we, we ought to stay in the presence of the Lord. And look, just stay in constant contact and relationship with God. God, I'm just trying to, to not be that guy or not be that person who comes to see you only when I need you and want something. I'm not only fasting and praying when I got a problem. Sometimes I'm fasting and praying because I want to be clear about your will. God, I'm praying now. Things are good, and I want to praise you and thank you, right? I want to worship you for things being as well as they are. Hallelujah. Sometimes it ought to overtake you that you don't have any problems, and you ought to be get just as happy right there. When you got a couple of days that your trouble have not found you, and you're able to say, Lord, thank you for this day. Amen. I mean, I, got, I, I, I uh, started teaching a, a class the other day uh, uh, at seminary, and on my first day in there, I got happy all over again. They said, man, you all right? I said, yeah, but I used to sit where y'all sit. And I remember when it was hard for me to sit where y'all sit, and now God let me stand up here 
and the people who were once my instructors have now qualified me and said, I'm qualified to be where they were. That's a long way away of where I'm from. I got a way of going across the world, and I tell my wife and children when we get there, this is a long way from 1839 Swift Street. I just tell God, thank you for that. I don't know about you, but I don't let down times make me appreciate up times. So you ought to appreciate up time when it's up time. And then when you get down, when you want to get back up, right, amen, go ahead and thank God and he'll get you back up. But when you're up, go ahead and give him praise for that. Because up is up, and when God is blessing you and God is good and you don't have, you know, God, I got up to, look, I, simple thing. Man, I'm walking, I told somebody, I'm walking without a knee brace. Hallelujah. Because I remember the days of it hurt bad. Ain't that right, Sister Atkins? But when I have some days where I don't have to put, man, I ain't got, whoa, thank you, Lord. Because when I'm hurting, guess what I say? Lord, help. So desire from God God himself, more than a thing that God gives you, right? Can I give you another one that can sometimes get in your way? You ready for this one? Your pastor, right? Don't let your spiritual growth be attached to your pastor. Do you hear me? Look, I can't get you into heaven. And I ain't going to look for you if you go to hell because you ain't got no business being there. I won't be there. Don't let your loyalty to any leader cause you to be disloyal to your God. I'm about to share with you something in here. How we can have all of these evangelical principles in the Obama administration that have not carried over to the current administration baffles me. How we can be condemning of a first lady with her arms out and say that that just is not becoming of a first lady from an evangelical perspective. But now we have a first lady who has arms and everything out. You can Google it. I don't suggest you do it in here. Amen. But it's okay because we did not vote for him because of his morals. Right. All of a sudden, our loyalty to the leader trumps our loyalty to the Lord. Never allow your loyalty to any individual to rank higher than your loyalty to the Lord. Don't let it be your spouse. Mothers, don't let it be your children. If they're wrong, they are wrong. Then you say you had to stop loving them. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. You ain't got to stop loving them. But you got to call it what it is. Sometimes the loyalty that we have for leaders and human relationships and loved ones, it will get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Our hearts will be twisted. Our judgment is twisted. We won't call wrong wrong even when we know it's wrong. It's wrong. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. Pray for the wrong one. Pray that the wrong one get right. But don't let anything, don't let pastor get in the way. Look, look, can I tell y'all something a secret? Can I tell y'all a secret? Lean in real close. I ain't worth it. Okay? Just in case you thought I was, I ain't worth it. I ain't worth you following me 
and thinking he's so right and you calling my right, my wrong right, don't do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God is faithful. Verse 9, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the, name, in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Why are there contentions? Verse, show it to me right here. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. And I of Cephas. And I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Ain't nobody in here baptized in the name of Key. You better not be. Ain't nobody in here baptized in the name of nobody here on earth. Nobody here on this earth died for you and can wash away your sins. So you don't let loyalty here in the earth. And I, I use the idea of the pastor because the scripture supports Paul being followed. And Paul says to them, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Let lest any should say that I was baptized in my own name. In other words, God is preeminent above all. Do not let your judgment be twisted or in question because of any earthly relationship. Amen? Come on, I'm going to give you a phrase. I love you. Come on, I love you, but you're wrong. That's truth and love, isn't it? I love you, but that's not right. I love you, but this, this is not right. No matter how much I love you, mom, no matter how much I love you, son, no matter how much I love you, daughter, no matter how much I love you, wife, no matter how much I love you, friend, I love you, but you're wrong. Now, the word of God says, here we go, pastor, I love you, but pastor, you're wrong. Pastor, you shouldn't have did that. What do you mean? I'm the pastor. Yeah. But the way you handle that man or that woman in that public fashion, doing that to him, don't do that. And that's okay to say. Say it on both sides. Don't say it on one side because of the one you favor over the one you don't. Say it in both ways. I love you, but you're wrong. Okay? That's something that we have to do because those are the things that can get in the way. How many have I given you so far? Nine? All right, number 10. The wham factor, W-A-M. Wham factor. What do you think the wham factor is? What about me? What about me gets in the way sometimes, folks? Sometimes... It's just, I just feel like this. What about me? And we make our times come forth before God has allowed the time to come. We get frustrated with the ways and the things of life, do we not? Do we get tired? Is it human? 
Are we in that space sometime? And sometimes, what, we, what do we do? Say, well, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm, I need to do something to make myself happy. I'm going to go ahead. Uh-uh. Look, I, I ain't giving this money to the church today. I'm going on vacation. Did I say something that some of y'all have said before? I'm sorry. <laughs> God will get his win next week, next Sunday, right? Or what? And, and sometimes self, you know, self gets in the way. That happens with the best of us. Sometimes we just need to feel better, right? And we'll place, but can I, can, I, can I say this? Even when we do that, say what it is. Call it what it is. Call it what it is, all right? All right, so I've given you 10 things. What are some things I may have left off the list? What are some of the things I may have, things that can get in the way of me trying to prioritize this relationship with God? Did I leave any off the list? Yes. I'm sorry, did you have your hand up? You. Kara. Oh, okay, I thought you had your hand up. All right. What, what can get in the way? Anything that, that, that you encounter or any of these that you have questions about? Let's discuss them. What can get in the way? What can get, yes. Huh? Satan. Okay, that's good. That, that's pretty high priority. <laughs> he can get in the way. Uh-huh. Well, on my way here, I got a call from the agency, so I'm back on Tuesdays. All that shouting and praying I was doing, well, I can go to Bible study. I can start back going to Bible study. Now I'm back on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said Satan. Okay. And, I, and, and let me say this. In, in, in the discussion, obviously the hand of the enemy is always someone or something that seeks to... Um, <clears throat> circumvent our priority of making God primary or number one in our life. What I don't want us to do is to give the enemy too much credit. I don't want us, there are things that he does do, okay, amen, and I agree with you. But I want to also say there are some things that he seeks to do that we don't stop him from doing. There are some things that he seeks to do that we allow to go on, right? Because at some point, I want us to grow into that full measure of man and woman, according to Scripture, where we'll stand up and say no to some things. <clears throat> where we'll say, uh-uh, that's not right. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to sacrifice without it. What do you think it would mean sometimes to say no or to sacrifice to live without it? Would the Lord let you suffer? Anybody? Anybody ever cut back for Jesus and say, you know what, I'm going to quit one of these jobs. I'm going to cut back some of this stuff so I can go and be more active in church. Sometimes, one of the things that the Lord said to um, the rich young ruler, take everything you have. You want to follow Jesus, sell everything you got. He said, Master, I've done all that. I, you know, I know the, the law. He said, well, take everything you got, sell it, and then give the money to the poor. That's too hard. Now, that doesn't mean go live a life of poverty, but he's saying simplify a little bit so I can, it's easier to follow if I simplify, right? When I got a whole lot, I got to be attached to what it means to keep it, and therefore my priority becomes keeping what I have. 
All right? Very good input. Any others? Any others? Any others you want to discuss? Yes. Health issues. And I did write that down. That is one of the things. How, how do health issues impact our prioritizing our relationship with the Lord? Hmm? How we feel, okay, or how we felt. Do we sometimes do some things when we don't feel good anyway? Right? But when we feel that same thing, we'll just say, well, this ain't really that important. Do we kind of give up a little easier, maybe when it comes to worship and the convenience factor of it? It was a strange thing. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, getting up on Sunday morning was just too hard. Time was his issue. He said, just getting, Sunday's just hard for me. But he said, on Monday, he wakes up right on time. Monday had a monetized, you know, impact, right? Sunday was a free day, right? So getting up on Sunday was just, he said, Sunday was just too hard for him. He said, man, I just can't do it. I try to get up on Sunday and come to church. I just can't do it. He said, but uh, Monday, yeah, I, I pop right up and go to work. Yes, sir. You know you have to talk louder than that. You sit in the last seat in church and then won't have something to say. You sit way back there. We can't even see you from back there. We don't know what you're getting to. You got on a white shirt that say hard rock, all right? Yeah, that's Daryl. Uh, I think it's about being disobedient and not following instructions. Say more. When you were referring to uh, health issues, uh, uh, you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a prescription. At the end of the year, you have multiple bottles of pills that when the doctor said completely use all this prescription, following instructions, doing what you're supposed to do, coming to church, um, uh, you know, being honorable, doing the right thing. Uh, we all have our ups and downs, but it's been to a point, getting to that level where we can press through and still do what we're supposed to do and be a good child of God, follow instructions. Uh, uh, when you're a child, your parents want you to do right when you go places. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you do that. You know what okay. I'm saying? Well, mama wouldn't want me to do this. You know what I'm saying? Daddy wouldn't want me to do this, so I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing even at work. You know what I'm saying? Our work ethic. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of... Health discipline, I, I feel you what you're saying in the health discipline model. Now, let me qualify this statement. I'm not a health practitioner of any kind, shape, form, or fashion. And because this goes out in a podcast type of way, I don't want anybody to take this as being uh, do this or do that. But I would say that one of the things that we need to consider with our health in order to make it uh, not subvert or, or make our priority with God fall into second place is we need to agree with God in it com when it comes to our health pursuits. Uh, if God has said, take the medicine, God has provided the medicine, you've gone to the doctor, the doctor says, I mean, take the medicine, right? If you don't, you run a risk of not being available to serve, right? Some other things that the Lord, I mean, Lord made it real clear to me, said, Keith, uh, if you're going to do a lot and you're going to be busy, you teach, you work, you go to church, you're doing all this stuff, you know, be healthy in the process. So I watch what I eat. 
you know, I just don't eat everything. I want a little grill this. I want to have a little salad here, a few vegetables here. Uh, I just watch my intake. And so I want to be available for God to use my life for his purposes. And I tell people when they tell me, said, man, you seem to be eating well. I said, I'm just trying to help God keep me around here for as long as he wants to. In a good way, right? You can be around here and not be here in a good way. And so I'm trying to help God by doing that, by eating the right things. And I agree with you, Daryl, taking the available uh, prescriptive measures uh, that I can take, getting up, doing a little exercise when I can, those kinds of things. I don't prescribe this for everybody and saying this is the perfect anything or whatever, but because I do have those goals spiritually to not let my health be a burden to my family or to my ministry, I want to go ahead and give God my best effort when it comes to that, okay? Just say, I would just say give God your best effort. And try. And you need some encouragement, get with somebody who can encourage you uh, and make that a, a, a go-to kind of thing. Okay, any others? Got a, a couple more minutes. I see a hand there. Uh, okay, wow, I see five hands. One, two, three, four, five. All right, and one over there. Okay, and six. All right. Let's start uh, right here, then Candace, and then what was the other hand I saw? Okay, and you're just going to work your way back. Go. Um, I was as actually going to ask about uh, number seven, I believe it was, and I just wanted a little clarity. I okay. think that was nonchalantness. Nonchalant, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that equivalent to, because I wrote in my, in my side notes, uh, spiritual apathy and indifference, or is that different from that? I would say they're interchangeable. Those, those terms can be synonymous, spiritual apathy. I just get to the point where it's not that important to me. I'm just kind of go along to go along, right? I'm here, uh, and if I'm here, I'm here, but if I'm not here, I'm not here. I'm not actively seeking or pursuing. When you, look, let me, let me say something to you. How many of you all burn Google up or burn the internet up researching information? Come on, let me see my Googlers, come on. Come, I need more of y'all because you be Googling stuff when I'm in Bible study. I see that blue light on your face. I know that ain't the holy glow of the Holy Spirit. You research what you want to know, don't you? You go after it, don't you? Good or bad, you go after it. Seek. That's what he says. Seek. What does he say in Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the letter? He says, when you have sought me, when you seek me with your whole heart, whole heart, don't be apathetic about your relationship with the Lord. If you are depressed and you know he's the glory and the lift up of your head, don't sit around and wait for the word to come to you. Get up and go get the word. If you are in a troubled situation, if your money is not, find out what the Bible says about money. Get tired of being in the position that you're in. The kingdom of God suffers violence. I stand here and take it from the devil. Instead of me saying, you can no longer encroach upon my territory. Get up, find it, be aggressive, pursue God, pursue the word, right? Quit sitting back letting whatever happen to you happen to you. The devil just wreaking havoc in my life. One day over this, the next day over this, the next day over this. You need to move. Or get them fight back. That's what I mean about not being nonchalant, not being apathetic. Go for it. Anybody just ever had the spirit of just going for something? You say, you know what? 
I'm going to go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Go for it. Go ahead. You have I guess a question, and I was uh, actually talking to Sheena earlier, and she was talking about a millennial ministry, and I find that my generation and younger have an issue with just really being apathetic and nonchalant about a lot of things, particularly spirituality. So the question, and this is a loaded question, which may require another session or what have you, but how do you rekindle that fire? How do you re rekindle the fire of a generation? Of, 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 of pursuing that spiritual relationship with God. Well, and, and the, one of the things, and this was a very interesting thing, I'm going to run through this real quick. One of our, I'm teaching a course right now called Organizational Management in Urban Ministries and Urban Communities, right? How churches do the things that they need to do in the communities that they're in. And one of the questions that came up today in our, we were solving, we do a SWOT analysis and a gap analysis and we do these analysis on churches to help figure out what the problem is and how to get there. You do the research and conduct it and bring it in. They walk away with a model. I have about eight. I got one church, man, that I'm, I'm working with in Ethiopia. Man, I'm like, God is really stretching the First Baptist Broad across the diaspora, isn't he? I'm going to be working with a guy in Ethiopia. Even when he's gone back, me and him will be exchanging information. What do I know about working with churches in Ethiopia? I don't know, but I'm going to learn. Right? He's my one student that's kind of hard to really wrap my mind around his ministry. But we start talking about millennialism today, how we were going to solve for X. This was our equation. And so we start looking in the SWOT analysis. What are the strengths of our church, the weaknesses of our church, the opportunities and the threats? What is the pervasive attitude that is in uh, with this particular generation between this age group? And then you put all of those things there and you first of all see what do I have and is this problem simply with the church alone? A lot of times we say they're not in the church, but guess what? They're not in a lot of places, right? You even look at it, and, and you'll, you, can, you can translate this message because uh, we had Kia Granberry to do an analysis on this, that millennials will do, they will register to vote, but not vote, right? But the generation before them, they vote, right? But it says they'll be, they'll be you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find out what to do, but won't do it. I'll tell you something else to do. They will, find, they will develop cash saving and cash transfer uh, apparatus like Cash App, but they won't save money. I don't know. So I think it's a deep dive. I think you have to keep going. I want to get all of these questions, so I want to spend a second here, a second here, and keep rolling. All right, keep going. So mine was kind of like a three-part. It's depression. It's three parts. They're connected. Okay. It's depression. Not clinical depression that requires medication and long-term care, but something similar to situational uh, depression that could be tied to your faith, mm -hmm. which is also tied to self-discipline, mm -hmm. meaning I'm depressed because I've been praying and God hasn't been answering. Mm -hmm. Or if he answered, he didn't answer in the manner that I wanted him to, which now my faith is distorted. Mm -hmm. uh, I still believe in God. Right. However, I don't necessarily know that I trust him. Mm -hmm. And then the self-discipline part is where I still have to continue to discipline myself to read, to study, to go after him. Mm -hmm. And that self-discipline part gets a little shaky, too, because 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to get up on Sunday morning. I don't want to come to Bible study. That's rest time. Although when Monday morning comes, there's a reward tied to, to it my immediately. Right. Okay. I understand the question. It's not hard at all. Who are you praying to again? Why are you leaving the answers up to you if you're praying to God? Why, I mean, why are you answering? What if God's answer was what he answered? Then that's, it's not what you wanted. It's not what I wanted, so right. therefore, that's where the, the understanding. You the, put what you want what I wanted above ahead of what, what God wants. Right. What God wants may be where you are. That may be the answer. I went over that passage last week. Jesus said, you say, Lord, Lord, but you won't do what I say. I tell you what I want, but when I tell you, you don't do it. And that's hard for us because we are preconceived and preconditioned to pray. And then let me tell you, let me ask you a question. You ever ask somebody something they didn't give you the answer and you ask them another way? Come on. How many of y'all good at that? Right. As if they didn't hear you the first time. You rephrase the question another way. It's kind of like, baby, did you hear me? You know, you ask him another way. And that's what we do with God. We pray, and God does answer sometimes. He does. I mean, he answers. And then the answer that he answers, we don't like. So we repray. Remove this thorn from my flesh. Nope. I asked him three times. That's what Paul said. Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. God never let it pass. And God didn't answer the third time either. Did he? He went back in there, but Jesus came out with an answer. So maybe it was that God was answering by what he said all the time. And Jesus' spirit had to finally agree with what the Lord's spirit said. Maybe Paul's spirit had to finally come into agreement with what the Lord wasn't going to do. I'm not going to do it. You can ask me in Hebrew, Spanish. You can ask me in Greek and Aramaic, right? You can go stand on the wall. You can lay on your face. You know, you can go sit in the pool. You can do whatever. You can levitate if you want to. My answer is still you're going to have a thorn in the morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Letting other people's problems get in my way. I'm getting better, but that's a bad problem for me. Yeah. You're down with OPP. <laughs> other people's problems. I say an active child, you know, a child that won't act right in church. So we had a, at my former church, a lady said she can't come to church or won't come to church because her child was so bad. Right. Didn't know how to act in church, so she just would not come until right. he got older or, to, you know, thought right. he would act better. Issues uh, that can be hard to control and hard to manage. Um, I want to speak very transparently on this, and, and uh, he had a question, too, and then she has a question, and there's another, there are a couple over here. I want to speak very briefly and transparently on this. Um, there are many measures that are put in place at First Baptist Church and in other places to try to break down the barriers that keep people from coming into corporate worship. You saw the new crop ministry that we're starting, right? That is designed so that no caregiver has to never come to church. They can at least have one Sunday every now and then 
where they can come to church and their loved one will be in a safe environment and they can sit and worship and be replenished and refreshed in the Lord. We have a nursery for that purpose, right? We have some other measures that you may or may not know about. We've had some people who have experienced domestic violence and they were like, I just can't come to church because I'm afraid they're going to be there. That they may not, that they may not be a man or a woman. That they is just a person of the opposite sex or a person who's causing violence in their life. We have gotten trained in that particular area. We put the pictures of those people in certain places because we're not going to let that even interfere with somebody coming into the worship setting where you can't come in and sit before the Lord. Because those kinds of things drive people away from their worship setting. And it's tough. I mean, it's tough stuff. But in a, in a church of our magnitude, we need to address those issues because, let me be honest with you, they are a part of the community in which we are part of. They are part of what goes on. So we have to have resources to be able to do those things. We put wheelchairs in church. We put oxygen in church. I think we got one of them AEDs. You know, you fall out, come out, come over there, pop you. I mean, I uh, saw Ann back there the other day with Glenda. Glenda was acting, pop, and that's it. I think that was just Glenda trying to say, hit me, Ann, hit me. But I don't know. Um, but, you know, the, the whole idea of it is you go through these means and measures to try to lower the barriers. Is it possible to eliminate 100% of them? Probably not. But you do as many as you can. All right? Yes, sir? All right, so I have a question about uh, marijuana. About? Marijuana. Okay. You know what? Y'all might not <laughs> think this is the truth. I already prayed about that question. I did. This morning, the Lord said, you're going to have a question about, I, I tell you when I pray, I was, the Lord said, you're going to have a question about marijuana. I thought it was about one of my children, but I, I'm glad to know it's, I did. I said, okay, maybe the Lord's going to tell me something about marijuana one of my children. I don't know. That's no, why I get up and pray. Yes, sir. I was just asking, uh, like, so do you believe that people go to Come on, hell I can't hear you. Do you believe that people go to hell for smoking weed? Oh, no. Because I, I was asking because it go back to what you were saying about distraction from the Lord, but I was thinking about people, you know, take uh, marijuana for, you know, for health reasons, for counseling. Oh, no, no. No, ain't nobody going to hell for smoking weed. Oh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. If so, it's a bunch of us going to hell. It's a bunch of folk you know going to hell. And, and, and let, me, let me seriously respond to your question. Yeah, uh, medically and obviously, obviously, there are things that are not good for us, and there are things that we should not indulge in because they alter our behavior and senses. There are some medically prescribed drugs that have marijuana, CBD oil, and what is the other, the, the, the hemp, okay? All of these things can be prescribed to reduce pain. They can be prescribed to manage pain, right? But God is not going to sentence us to hell for the things that we make bad judgments on. Even, if that's the case, alcohol is going to send us to hell too, right? If that's the case, there's a whole lot of stuff that's sent. No, no. Smoking marijuana, no. Now, what do I encourage? What's that? Every, that's right, a lot of stuff. And so I think what people, and so, don't, so that you're not confused about it, I don't think that uh, we should ever get into a thing about what, the, the only thing that's going to sentence a person to hell is the non-acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. A bunch of people are going to continue, even after being saved, right, to commit some faults and sins in life. But God is not going to sentence us to hell for that. No. No, sir. 
Not at all. I hope you've never been told that, and I hope no one. Don't, don't name the church. Don't name the play. Yeah, and, 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 and sometimes when we don't know how to communicate certain things, you know, back in the day, we used to tell folk, it, when we wanted them to stop doing something, you're going to hell for that. You're going to hell for that, right? Yeah, what that, wearing pants in church, you're going to hell for that, right? Everything's going to send you to hell, right? Yeah. What do you say, uh, miss? Yeah, sleeve, oh, Michelle Obama going to hell because she wore a sleeveless dress, you know? That, that, a lot of these things, with, with people you say that, out of poor understanding of God's grace. All right? Yes, ma'am. I would say the weather keeps us away. The weather? Yes. All right. Next person. <laughs> the weather ain't going to keep y'all from Hamilton. Is it? How many of y'all got your Hamilton tickets? Rain, sleet, or snow, guess what? You're going. Be careful that we don't let, but it, it does. It can be, you know, I ain't going. I don't want my hair to be off big. <laughs> yes, ma'am? I was going to say that pride and fear definitely do play a part. Oh, yes. And um, I was surprised no one else said that because, especially with myself, I've tried to compartmentalize God and say, okay, Lord, protect my family because I know I can't do that. But I can handle um, my job and my academics all by myself, and that's definitely not, that's not the case. I need them everywhere, not just in one part of my life. And fear because when God says, when he's calling me to go right and I choose to go left because I think that that's better for me, even though I know that God's will is good and perfect. It can, that can get in the way of it. Do me a favor. Take the mic and do it like this. <laughs> Just drop it. That's good stuff. Give her a hand. Amen. I, I love that. That the pride and fear. Yeah. Pride and fear. I love that. Very true. Other, others. I saw, did I see one more? Okay, here we go. I'll let this be the last one. If there are no more. I'll let this be the last Actually, one. Actually, mine have already been answered. Mine were like if I'm angry with God. And then uh, when it's raining, I'll say, man, I ain't going to church. But then I'll tell myself, you get up and go to work. So then I get up and come to church. You already answered mine. Yeah. Look, you know, yeah, and, and we, 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 you know, it's not overstatement of anything, but like God, you know, God is a father, right? Right? He's our father. Our father. Anybody in there ever been mad at your father? Your father can handle it. My kids get mad at me all the time. You know what I say? Okay. I don't run after them. I don't say, they're going to be mad for a while. When they get through being mad, I'm still going to be their father. I'm going to love them. I ain't never stopped providing for them. I'm still looking out for their future. I'm still, come on, oh, you be angry at God. Be ang God is big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to handle it. Matter of fact, he don't give your seat away just because you get angry. He says, say that seat for Cynthia. She'll be back. Because God can handle our anger. And it's okay. I think our anger, he said, matter of fact, he gives us permission. What does he say? Be angry. Just don't sin. Yeah. Right. 
So when circumstances and things happen to her, she said she'll go dismiss herself and sit down and say she's not going to do it no more. Is she the first one to do that? Come here, Jeremiah. What did he say? I said I wasn't even going to speak your name no more, right? He said, but it was like fire shut up in my bones. I tried to get somewhere and sit down, and what happened to me? I, I didn't have to go to the choir to sing. I started singing so loud out here, they told me, you need to go get in the choir, lady. You know, you cannot withhold the passion of the Lord in your soul. You can fear, you can have situations, you can be angry. Listen, I've seen people go through some of the worst things in life. But here's what I don't do. I do not panic because I do know that if the Holy Spirit is in their heart, the love of God was ever near them. God loves them and he will call back to himself that which is within you to unite it with him. I used to tell people this. See that girl over there, Victoria? I said, leave her alone. I said, she need to be crazy for a little while longer, right? Going through what she's gone through over the last uh, years of her life? No, man, leave her alone. Don't mess with her. Just let God have his way. Just let the Lord have his way. And in due season, when he gets ready, in the fullness of time, He's going to direct you gently, guide you. He's going to keep the right. Look, that's why I have to get the wrong people from around, folk. Right? Because everybody ain't equipped to do this. Sometimes I just tell people, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Well, ain't you going to call them? Ain't you going to do this? Ain't no. Nope. Leave me alone. 2 Timothy 2, 24 is true. The man of God must not strive. Right? But be apt to teach. Recognize when there's a teachable moment in front of you. Patient. And watch folks. Say, look here. Don't get into a fight with them, because if you get into a fight with them, it's a three-way fight. But they think they're fighting you, but they're really fighting the enemy. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. They're swinging at you, but it's the enemy that's beating them up. So he needs you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord so you can be a constant, right? And when they get through with that war going on and you're standing there with your arms open, guess what they do? They come back and receive the love of God that comes through you. Don't fight, don't strive, don't toil, don't worry about the child, don't worry about, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about the lost loved one, it's going to be, the prodigal son is coming home. God's grace found him in the hog pen. Matter of fact, walked him down there, guided him there, and said, I'm going to take care of you here, and then I'm going to give you some sense, and then you're going to get up and do what you need to do. God is, 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 is greater than that, y'all. And I wouldn't serve a God who couldn't accompany me through those uh, crazy moments of life. We all have them. Amen? All right, good lesson. Thank God. All right, let's give the Lord a hand, all right? So, you can listen to him. We were talking about millennials today as a, as a means for saying a lot of them don't come to church, but they do listen to the podcast. That's the way that they receive their word. And I'm not so convinced, y'all, that uh, in the modern movement of where we're going forward, that these methods that are being ordained uh, will not be methods that God doesn't breathe life upon. I believe he's using them for his purpose and for his glory. I still say nothing uh, takes the place of this. Can I have your hand? Nothing takes the place of this fellowship, this touch. Sometimes you just need that, don't you? Sometimes, come here, you just need one of these, don't you? Just need one of these. Just need a hug, right? Just need a pat on the back, right? Sometimes you need a fist bump, don't you? Just need a good seat. Yeah, you just need that eye-to-eye -eye contact. You don't want to be in a space of isolation. 
where the enemy sees you all by yourself and he can mess with your mind. You know, ain't nobody called me. Because the last thing you said was leave me alone. And they heard you say leave me alone. So they left you alone. I can't believe that nobody come by and see me. I can't believe don't nobody know where you live. Ain't nobody checked on me. Yes, we have. You didn't update your phone number in the system those times we were asking you. Then you didn't change phone numbers. I just had that to happen very recently. Had a lady say, I've been emailing you. I said, where you been emailing me? FBC pastor. I said, ma'am, that email ain't worked in. Ain't worked. <laughs> it's, it ain't worked since it ain't worked. I said, but I tried to call you. Is this number still right? Uh, no. Well, anyway, Pastor, what I wanted to say was, we good. Sometimes you just want to be in the fellowship, right? That helps us to keep our priorities straight with God, and it helps us to encourage one another, helps us to pray for each other, helps us to connect and unite. Amen? Any first-time visitors with us on tonight? This is your very first time being here forever. And ever. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Over here, too. Okay, bless y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for being with us on tonight. Um, my brother, you asked a question about marijuana. I don't want to make any uh, endorsements of anything that will ever mislead a person. I would always encourage you that whatever you seek personally, uh, in a spiritual sense, let it come from the Lord. And let your communication from God be that. If that is a personal indulgence that you feel a weakness to, ask God to strengthen you. Like all of it. But none of it is any higher or lower than any other. It would be the final response that I would have with that. So don't let anybody sentence you to any. Nobody can sentence you to hell but the Lord himself. And the last time I checked, marijuana wasn't on the list. All right? So don't ever let that come into your heart and mind. If God can save a murderer, man who's taken another life, give him another chance and bring him into heaven. If he can save a thief on the cross dying beside Jesus Christ and say, today you'll be with me in paradise, God can do anything but fail. All right? Amen? All right. Door of my Father's house is open. If you're here today and you're looking for a church family, a church home, please come. Uh, always know that there's no judgment in this church. You're welcome here in this place. I so enjoyed your input on tonight. Uh, I so enjoyed everything that you said. Uh, everybody in here, raise your hand. Amen. Come on, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. Repeat after me. If I spoke, I'm on the podcast, and I'm not going to sue you. Amen. Thank you. All right.